What's up, guys? Welcome to podcast number 30. I'm Larry from AmmoNYC.com. It has been way too long, and I want to tell you a little bit about what's been going on with me. Um, and then we're going to talk about some branding and uh, the difference between brand and brand image. And um, there's some uh, important points I want to talk about uh, with respect to the brand and and how it really translates to, to your bottom line and ultimately the perception and, 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 and you know, what people think of you. And I think that uh, really speaks a lot. To, uh, to business. And then, of course, afterwards, we're going to talk to Kevin Brown about some coding issues that he's uh, run across and, and chatted with a, a couple of really cool guys out there, uh, uh, Cougar and uh, Joseph Torbati and uh, a couple of guys. So we'll, we'll, we'll chat with Cam Watson. Uh, we'll, we'll chat with those uh, with Kevin about that situation. I think it's pretty, it's pretty clever. Um, and I'm excited um, to sort of spread the, the news as fast as possible, uh, if you will. So let's let's hop in. So where have I been? I, I haven't done a podcast in a while. I'm trying to keep up with videos as much as I can. Um, but again, obviously, I'm trying to run a detailing business at the same time. And um, it's actually, I'm looking out the window. It's negative one degrees here. And uh, I was talking to Kevin earlier, and it's 77 in Los Angeles. So um, I, <laughs> I told him, I hope he gets sunburned. And so this is the text messages back and forth goofing around. But anyways, yeah, so it's a little bit slower now. So I'm, I'm happy to do the podcast. And the reason I've been away, and I'll try to be as... Um, I don't know, sensitive as possible because, you know, it's a, a bit of a private issue. But, uh, you know, uh, when you think about uh, having a family, which is exactly what my wife and I are trying to do, uh, you know, it's not as easy as, as you might think, you know, when you're a kid or in college or something. And you, know, you spend your whole life trying to prevent that sort of uh, adventure from happening. <laughs> um, but uh, as you get older, you know, it's uh, anyways, uh, I have some wonderful news that in the next I hope by the time this podcast actually comes out. I will have a uh, a son, a detailer, who's going to kick my butt about uh, about detailing. Um, so I'm really, really excited. I'm I'm trying to, you know, stay reserved or whatever because he's he's not here yet, and I want to make sure everything is is good. So, um, but believe me, bubbling underneath my my calm voice is uh, is a lot of excitement, and um, I'm very grateful. And so, anyways, if I've missed a couple of emails or I haven't gotten Facebook messages or phone calls or something, uh, believe me, it, it's not. Um, it's not for lack of wanting to be there. It's, it's uh, you know, I had to, you know, keep my head on straight and, and focus on my wife and, and that sort of thing. So I'll leave it at that. Um, you guys are, are awesome and uh, I'm excited uh, to be back and um, I'm, I'm more excited to see my, my son. <laughs> so anyways, um, that's, what's, that's what's going on here. And then over the last little while, I've been really thinking about um, another topic. And of course, it's the topic I want to chat uh, with you for five, 10 minutes before we get into Kevin's um genius brain uh is about the difference between brand and brand image and it's it's really um it's subtle difference but i think it's something that's really helped me over my career and that uh is okay let, let's kind of dive into a little bit more brand you think of brand you think of what you think of coca-cola right you think of coca-cola it's been around from the 1880s or 1900s or something it's been around forever and you kind of have a perception of it you know you think you know the, the a perception of what do people or customers think when you say that word, Coca-Cola, ooh, refreshing, that, ooh, that. Today, I'm going to kind of put that to the side. So put that to the left side of the table. Think of it like, for detailers' perspective, think of it like your logo or like mine, I have a shield or the name of ABC Detailing Company, whatever it is. Put that to the side. That, that's a whole other branding discussion. What colors should I use and this and that? The one to the right, which is less talk, talked about and kind of one that keeps popping up in my mind, is your personal brand, your personal image. 
And I think as small business owners, there's another word for it. It's, it's, we have that brand image to uphold that's on the left side of the table, right? The colors and the ABC detailing or what have you. But there's also the thing on the right that I, I'd like to call integrity. And so these two things, and integrity, of course, is what you stand for and uh, how you treat people and, and more importantly, how you treat um, situations that may not be the best situation in the world. You may have got, oh, I feel like I'm getting screwed on that one, or um, I don't like that guy because he did X, Y, and Z, or I don't like the situation, or I wish things would work out for me. And so this integrity is always tested. Um, and I don't want to get like too philosophical, but at the end of this little conversation, I'll show you how it actually translates into dollars, I think, in, in, in sort of protecting your business, so to speak, which ultimately, you know, is, is your bottom line. So the difference between those two things um, it's something I want to emphasize and talk about. And the reason I want to talk about it is there shouldn't be a difference. That's kind of like the synopsis or the, or the, um, you know, the theory behind this little conversation here. Uh, it needs to be congruent. So let me, I'm going to, the best way that I can describe this, because it's kind of hard for me to get out is to use a, a couple of examples that one that you'll know, and then I'll narrow it down into our field about um, certain situations where people um, may want to think back on, on some of the things that they've done and figure, hey, is the, is the brand quality and the beauty of the colors and blah, 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 that's on my wall, am I doing that same effort? Am I giving that same impression or perception out in the public if I'm talking publicly or to my clients or uh, Facebook or whatever? Are those two together? And I think there's a lot of problems that exist because those aren't together. So, you know, that's, let me give you an example. So I'm sure we all know there's like a ton of politicians out there. I don't know what the deal is with politicians when it comes to um, just like weird stuff. I don't know. That's a whole other psychological thing that I'm certainly ill prepared to talk about, or I don't even know what the heck, you know, I don't, I don't have, that's not my pay grade, but um, essentially I feel like a lot of politicians or maybe just because they're public, they'll, um, you know, their job is to, quote, serve the public or their constituents or whatever the fancy word is you want to use. But like they're found texting like lewd stuff. I'm sure you guys know where I'm going with that. Or they hire prostitutes or something where you're like, well, dude, like we hired you, we elected you, I'm using air quotes, to speak for us in Congress or whatever. I'm not, believe me, I'm not a politician. I don't even know the levels of whatever. But you're kind of an example you're someone that's like speaking for millions or thousands or whatever people, and then you're found guilty and you admit to doing X, Y, and Z. Those two things don't work. That's why those guys resign. That's why it, you know, it causes a lot of issues, right? And you're like, okay, fine. Well, Larry, that's a weird example. I'm not hiring prostitutes and, and running my detail shop. That's not what I'm saying. That's, that's a very 10,000 foot view, very public sort of um, uh, inconsistency between what the position is, meaning the governor or the congressman or whatever, and the actual person whose name is Joe Smith. There's no congruence. There's no, um, there's a breakup there. So let me give you another example. And this one's a little bit more realistic. Um, so let's say you're, you're going for a job and this is really, really common. Um, and you, uh, I, I have this career and I've done this and I, you know, and you're dressed in a suit and you're looking wonderful and, and you speak very fluently and intelligently. And then, you know, it, there's tons of articles in the Times about this, but um, a lot of employers will go look on your Facebook page. And if you're sitting there and there's like 
you're, you know, smoking weed or whatever, drinking heavily or doing something nefarious, something that's not like congruent with uh, what that firm wants or what your uh, resume dictates, there's just like this weird rub. It's like this gray area that you don't want to be in. Um, and I think that's a little bit more of a realistic one. Here, here's one. The Super Bowl just happened. And the Panthers were, I don't even know, six or seven points up um, in terms of uh, odds. They were going to win. Um, and Peyton Manning uh, was an underdog. And so putting Peyton Manning aside and all the other things that are going on, you know, one of the things that you do say about him is he, you know, won like a champion and he, and he lost like a champion. And the way that was emphasized, and as an, I'm not like downplaying um, uh, Cam, the quarterback for Carolina Panthers, I'm not downplaying his skill because he's unbelievable and he's going to be at the Super Bowl, you know, probably 10 more times in his career or whatever. He's fantastic, ridiculous athlete. But the thing that kind of like, I don't want to say rubbed me the wrong way. He's, he's also young and, and, you know, mistakes happen and that kind of thing. But if you saw in the press conference afterwards when he lost, even though they were, quote, supposed to win or whatever, he didn't really conduct himself in, uh, in, a, in a proper way, meaning he was sulking and pouting. And I listen, I also understand it's a Super Bowl. I'd be pretty pissed too. And they're all competitive, you know, hyper, hyper competitive athletes. So I'm, I'm taking this with a grain of salt. I'm just using it as an example that maybe we can deem, you know, gather some information from. But he sulked, he got up and he left. And that really put a bad taste um, in a lot of people's mouths because, listen, it wasn't congruent with being, hey, you didn't, you didn't lose like a champion either. You didn't do the right thing. And a lot of people say, well, you didn't have to do that. Of course, he doesn't have to do that. But that's part of the, that's part of the, the burden that you have to carry if you want to be in front of people, meaning customers or in the public or like those guys who are famous. That's just part of the, you know, representing their team, which is the brand, the Panthers in a certain way. So, okay, that was a lot of crazy examples. I think you get my point. Let me, you know, burrow down into like a detailing example. And I got to tell you, I'm guilty of this. This isn't, again... I'm not like, hey, you should do this. And I, I don't know. I, it, this is a problem that I'm dealing with. And I thought it'd be fun to kind of share it. I'm obviously talking about a bunch of personal stuff today. And I'm certainly not immune to this, believe me. But um, <clears throat> so, God, years ago when I had my first shop, and everybody has probably has the same exact story, but there's always a shop down the street. You know, we'll just call that the shop down the street. Oh, there's a guy down the street that charges less than he did. And, you know, in the beginning, I would say, well, you know, uh, you know, that shop down the street, it, it was, is terrible and it doesn't do, you know, da, 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 and it does a really crappy job. And I started to learn over, you know, a couple of years that th that's really not a great way of doing it. And I think a lot of you are going like, yeah, okay, fine. I, I don't do that. But this is what I think a lot of people are guilty of. And it's kind of like my, my favorite kind of saying or whatever, you know, so picture this, there's a customer in front of you, you're standing outside your shop. Hey, Mr. Smith, you know, how you doing today? What, what, what do you want a detail or whatever? And he, he says to you, hey, there's a guy down the street. He's doing it for $50 less or whatever. And you're like, okay, yeah, great. And you go, oh, okay, then maybe that's a better fit, right? And you're like, imagine you saying that. I mean, that's pretty admirable if you did say that. But then you say, listen, I don't want to say anything bad, but I mean, that's like <laughs> that, that sentence has been said in, in different ways a billion times about the guy down the street. Well, he does, I'm making this up. He's a drug dealer. I, I don't know. He does whatever on the internet. He does all these crazy, you know, things to, I can't think of anything ridiculous, but you get my point. And it's kind of like you say to the customer, oh, okay, Mr. Smith, listen, you know, I don't want to say anything bad, 
But that guy down the street, he ruined the car. He crashed the car. He doesn't. He probably got ruined. And we're so guilty of that that it drives me insane that I, I felt like today I had to kind of make that conversation. Because when you do stuff like that, that perception that you're giving to that customer is telling them, hey, I'm like subconsciously, I feel like you're screaming, uh, hey, um, customer, I'm really scared. I'm not super confident and uh, I'm even worse. I'm insecure. And that's what you're kind of telling that person un underneath uh, you know, the words that you say. And then you're thinking to yourself, okay, Larry, but what if, what if I get the customer that way? Chances are the customer that like listens to something like that and is persuaded by something like that, chances are they're not someone that you want to keep. And I know that sounds like a little crazy. And over like years and years of doing this, um, kind of pushing away and preventing yourself from doing that. And I'm still guilty of it, by the way. Um, it, you, you want the customer who's smart enough to know that that's not the, 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 the person that you want to be, that he'd want to be with. Meaning like if I were to say that to someone and they kind of go like, you know what, I don't want to do business with this, or I'm going to go down the street, not to the guy down the street, but to somebody else, because I don't like the way um, you're making these little innuendos and these kind of like, it's sort of, uh, it causes a lot of um, friction in I think your personal life and your business life when you act that way. And the ultimate goal is to find the best customer, not the discount junkie or uh, you know the guy who seeks like the $5 off. Ultimately, that I found out that's not the guy that you want. And it seems like I, more of those guys came to me when I tried to be Mr. Suave and Mr. Uh, you know, listen, the guy down the street, that, that kind of thing. More of those people were attracted like honey to this little thing that I was saying. And these, these flies that would come are not the ultimate ones that you'd want. So that's a long mangled way of saying, um, you know, kind of keep your integrity and your, your personal integrity and your brand integrity, meaning the overall the logo, those have to be uh, very consistent. So kind of keep track of the things that you do uh, in your entire life, especially as a small business owner, because that's, that is your entire life. You don't get to just go home and then that's it, you're done. It, it, like we carry this all the time. So if you say anything publicly and you kind of just weasel, a, 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 you know, that kind of thing and, and sort of um, disparage somebody else, that's uh, very unbecoming and I think um, comes back to you uh, very badly uh, in the future. So keep that in mind. That, that's kind of what I'm saying. So let me leave you with like three quick points that I've read over the years. And I've actually learned, ironically, from um, this is going to sound crazy, but you know, uh, Matt Farah's dad is one of my huge heroes. Uh, just ridiculously unbelievable guy, you know, kind of like a superhero in my mind because I've a lot of guys have, you know, Derek Jeter as their heroes, you know, making it home run and, and that he'd be a good one, by the way, because Derek is awesome. But, you know, for me, I've always wanted to understand business and the way that these things flow and the way that people think about business. And Mr. Farah, quite frankly, is just, you know, it's a titan. He's just, it was huge. Anyways, I always looked up to him literally because he's a big man, but figuratively as well, because he just, he just commands the, people like that. I won't just use him as an example, but people like that command the room because there's just this aura that comes off of them. And I really think maybe I'm wrong, but I really think it, it has to do with that um, consistency between what they outwardly say and how they act inwardly. And I think, um, I think it's huge. But anyways, Mr. Farrow said to me two things. One, um, 
you know, and I was, I wanted to go to like business school and, and go to the same school that he went to Wharton, um, which I ultimately didn't get in. But uh, he said, just whatever it is that you want to do, you, you'll, you can be, you know, wealthy and successful or whatever the word trigger word is that makes you happy by doing one thing consistently and doing one thing well. And I just, I don't know why I remember exact room in Matt's house that I was sitting when, when he said that, and it just struck me like, really? It's like, yeah, be the best garbage man in the world. You'd be the, you know, things that you'll be successful. You want to be the best, I don't know, acrobat, then whatever, then be the best. So his, his point was very valid and it still rings in my ears um, today. And, you know, one of the other things that, that he mentioned um, was really a thing called telling war stories. So you really need to uh, catch yourself. I'm trying to be careful here because, um, you know, Mr. Farrow is, is, is a really big man, popular man, and uh, he's just he's just been awesome to me. But he said, you know, and when you go on ranting and raving and complaining and sort of on this pulpit, you're essentially, I'm using air quotes here, telling war stories. I think it's in a bunch of books too. Um, when you tell war stories like that or, you know, give that impression of ranting and raving, that, again, not great for your customers. So I'll say bullet point number one, telling war stories, do everything in your power to avoid that. Number two, uh, arguments. It, sometimes you just like, you listen to something, you see something, you hear the guy down the street or whatever, and you're like, that is just such baloney. Um, I mean, nowadays with his politicians and watching all the debates and things, it's like, ugh, it's kind of kind of gross to watch all the disagreements but like i get it i understand how that whole system works and i'm not into it but you just want to be like hello what you're saying is totally wrong you know and get into this argument and back and forth and what they call a pissing match it doesn't again it doesn't do anything for you and i know you guys are saying like what the hell does this have to do with business believe me it has a lot to do with business because that aura that way that you um the way that you hold yourself and again i'm thinking of mr farah really translates into business and to your personal because it all it really is one thing you don't just turn it off when you come home and so my last um third little point and i'll recap it real quick before we hop into kevin is gossip i don't know what the deal is with the detailing industry uh and i'm sure lots of industries so i don't want to like pinpoint detailing but it's the only one i know is detailing to do my whole life but there seems to be a lot of he said she said and this guy and i don't like the, oh I you know that kind of thing and it's like I don't know. It just makes me sad to some point. Um, we're all here to do well, to make, quite frankly, to make money, to provide for our families, to do something that we actually love, which is detailing. Because I'm sure all of us can go make a lot more money doing whatever in some sort of corporate world, but I'm sure we'd all hate it very much. And I can attest to that. And the point that I'm trying to make is there's a business, the guy down the street, there's plenty of business for him and there's plenty of business for you. Put your blinders on, focus on what you do best. Maybe it's high-end restoration detailing. Maybe it's doing like a thousand washes a day. It's fine, whatever. Just focus on that. Be as positive as you can. And I promise you, if you keep that same integrity of your personal life and when you're speaking publicly, when you're talking to your customers, as you put, let's say, in your mission statement or your brand and how you want to outwardly give the perception, if those two combined actually work as one, You'll have customers forever, but not the not the discount junkie ones. You'll have loyal customers, which is the ultimate goal. Anyways, uh, I wanted to kind of give that um, chat because I think it's really, really um, 
it's a hard one to digest. It's a hard one to kind of put your wrap your head around it. But it is, um, I think, really important to to re- to to think about these things. And I'm not pretending that I can do it well because sometimes, man, you, you grind your teeth and you want to, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and you sort of have to remember to remember, which doesn't happen all the time. So real quick, beware, catch yourself ranting and raving and sort of what they call quote telling war stories does not does not help your cause. It doesn't it makes you look silly and and not really uh, professional to to your customers. So try to avoid that at all costs in your in your especially in your business and personal life. Avoid avoid or arguments at all costs. Nobody wins when you're arguing. It'd be both sides look like idiots, uh, quite frankly. And then, of course, gossip. It's in every single industry. But you know what? When that sort of thing is going on, just turn around, you know, the smile or whatever and, and kind of get out of that situation because it's always going to happen. So protect yourself, keep yourself clean. And uh, remember, there's business for everybody. And, uh, you know, let's keep it fun. Anyways, uh, that's my point uh, on brand versus branding, brand image. I'm sure at some point we can talk about uh, branding down the line, meaning like, hey, you know, the colors and, and that sort of thing. And that's more of a technical um, but I do like diving into these type of psychological things because, I mean, if you really study these super successful dudes, they have this mental control over themselves, not over everybody else, not that kind of, over themselves, which is wildly impressive and, and kind of tantalizing to me because I just, I stare at them. I'm like, this guy just oozes confidence and ooze and like, they, they're all kind of the same. I'm using air quotes here on that because they're different, but they're the same in the way that they, there's an underlying theme um, with all of them, and I'm just obsessed with understanding how they do that. And I, I believe that some of, the, some of the points, the one, two, three, you know, the gossip, the arguments, and the ranting and raving war stories, that they don't do that. And I feel like I'd be a better uh, business person and a better friend um, if I didn't do that. So, anyways, let's hop in and chat with Kevin Brown, the downtown downtown Julie Brown is what I call him. <laughs> I'm sure he's thrilled about that. And um, talk about this coding issue. We were talking, we were going back and forth on the phone and text messages, and um, uh, he was saying, "Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it more." But Cougar out there in Utah, and Joseph Tarbati, I think, is in California, and Cam Watson in Australia, and I think Scotty up in Canada. We you know, have all these conversations, and those guys are just top notch. Um, we're having some coding issues, and um, I don't know who. It doesn't even matter who came up with the idea to solve it or whatever. But anyways, we're going to talk about it, and something you got to keep in the back of your mind. If you're using a particular coding, why this is happening and this pe- the heat expansion and I mean it's like jumping into Kevin Brown's brain is is it's like this endless black hole of craziness because he's just he's out there in the best way possible. I mean it's a it's to try to keep up with him is is a struggle, but I love doing it. It's this great mental exercise. So, anyways, uh, without further ado, let's hop in and um, let's discuss this coding issue with Kevin Brown. All right, so we have Kevin Brown on the line. He's been nice enough to uh, to be waiting in the wings to, to hop on, and it's a long time uh, since I've seen him, but we do chat from time to time on the phone. Kevin, are you there? I am here. Thank you for inviting me on another podcast. I've been excited to you know, get involved with more and more of these. You know why I have you on? Uh, my... Your, wonderful personality that, that, it's personality or looks based yeah, well that that's right it's because of your looks on a podcast yeah, that exactly <laughs> you're, you're having a face for radio no, no it's because it's, the content that you bring every single time is new fresh uh and it's just uh the way that you interpret um problems and then solve them and help people solve them i think is um amazing what you do on the phone so i figured why not keep, continue do that 
continue to do that on a podcast that goes out to even more people. So I feel like the more people you can help versus a one-on-one phone call, why not take advantage of that? So I never, uh, I never wanted you to think that, you know, having you on as a regular guest, it's every single time we talk about these new and interesting things. So anyways, I just want to give you a huge shout out and thank you for that. Thank you. And I am fortunate because I am taking those calls on a daily basis. So that's why the information I'm able to share is so current. It's the questions that the guys doing this every day are coming up with and and asking for a resolution to a problem. So I'm lucky that I get to troubleshoot on the phone with the most current issues of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's great that I get these. It is huge. It is absolutely huge. So I, I feel like this is kind of just an avenue to kind of spread it out to more people who may not be listening on the phone call, metaphorically speaking. You get what I'm saying? So if we can reach more people, then God bless us. You know, what, what the hell? Why not? It feels repetitive, repetitive sometimes, but then you have to remember you might be talking to somebody that's been doing this just a few months. And that actually happened to me last night at one in the morning, talked for an hour with a guy that uh, sent a video of his polishing technique. And I could tell right away he had it. He had it down to a degree, but I could tell that it was new to him. So hopefully today he's having a better polishing day. Yeah, yeah. And, and to that point, we'll, we're going to talk about some of the phone calls you received, specifically around coatings, which I think it's a very fascinating topic. We'll get more into that because um, I have some, a few questions and, and a few, uh, you know, I want your opinion on a few different things. So we'll talk about that and then more towards the end about, I guess we'll call it philosophy kind of things in terms of, hey, if this product isn't exactly doing what I think it should be doing. Um, I'm just going to take the product and kind of metaphorically throw it away and try something different. And that's sort of the path that most people take. But I think you offer a new, a different way of thinking about it that, Hey, maybe that product isn't that bad, or maybe there's another way of thinking about it. You don't just go like, Oh, it did not work like a robot. So I throw it away. I grab something out. Oh, this one did not work. You have to kind of look at it a little bit from a different perspective. Is that a fair statement? I think it is, and again, that goes. That question's brought up primarily by people that are new to the industry, where they they do it. They're, they're doing everything right, at least they believe so, but they're not seeing the result that everybody's telling them they should be getting with that product. So, what's the next thing? It's not working for me. Let's move on, and then inevitably, all these pros and or experts, you know, people that do this, they start recommending product instead of trying to just dial in the procedure. So we're, it, it's an issue. It, it's a problem. It can be very frustrating for somebody new. We know this because we were new at one time as well. So I tried to slow that down, minimize the, the financial impact of trying multitude of products and just say, hey, wait a minute, you know, this, we can work around this. We can make, we, we can come to a, a resolution with just procedural adjustments. Yeah, so. so we'll dive more into that towards the end because I'm, I'm definitely interested in, in your thoughts specifically on that. But before we do, I've been playing, uh, I think maybe three, four weeks ago, with the iBread, and um, you're the man when it comes to machines. So I wanted to know, you know what your thoughts are specifically to the iBread. What, like, and again, tell a little bit more about the iBread because I, I use the name. Most people are like, what the heck is that because it's so new. It's not even out yet. Yeah, well, I have to be upfront and say you've used it a lot more time than I have because I only got to manhandle it for about a minute or two at the SEMA show, and I just mainly just grabbed it, looked at it, felt the weight and the balance, and blipped the throttle a couple times and said, wow, that's great. Here, have it back. But I'm already sold. The idea that we can take one machine and replace 
the, the heads, the rotating assemblies to give us rotary or three millimeter orbit or 12 millimeter orbit, and it's battery powered and it's small. Oh, and it's powerful. I mean, it's, it's already a huge hit. And I know that because I get the phone calls, text messages and emails every day. Somebody is asking me, do you have the hybrid on your site yet? When is it coming out? They also ask what's the price, but they're, Interestingly, when I say it's supposed to be the, the initial kit, the complete kit is supposed to be in the mid 600 range, they're not passing out. <laughs> they're saying, okay, put me on the list. Wow, that's a, that's a big statement. Yeah, and yeah. It's, that's, a huge, you know, it's that's a huge thing for a company to, to be coming out with something and not have uh, a bl you know, pushback or blowback. Because I think in the beginning, you know, the roof has, uh, I kind of think of it like as the Ferrari. I think there's other machines out there and I think they're all fantastic, but one is, you know, more of a Lamborghini maybe. And, and this I consider more of a Ferrari, no, no Italian pun intended, but huh. literally it's a little bit smoother for me, a little bit less um, violent on the back. And so that price change, that kind of sh culture shock in the beginning from, you know, 125 kind of thing to $400 for, you know, a Mark one. That, that was that like, was whoa, like, what are we talking like, Holy, okay. Like this is a lot. Like, wh why is this so much more expensive? You know? Um, and now that this with this with this new tool, I thought the same thing. I, I thought people were going to be like, wow, this thing's awesome, but it's a little bit overpriced. And I, I happen to agree with you. I think uh, a tool like this uh, really cuts down. I think for me specifically, uh, I, as a mobile detailer, don't have a, uh, access to air all the time. You know, sometimes I'm in like funky position in a basement or something and I just there's, there's nowhere to go. I don't want to turn on the gas thing or electric. You know what I'm saying? So to have a tool like that, that'll cut down. Uh, on wasted time and trying to do things by hand for me is, is worth every penny of it. And I think you're telling me that a lot of people are calling you saying, yeah, and agreeing, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a very high tech machine. And when you run battery, you have to run high caliber motors. It got to be efficient or the, or the battery is going to be sucked down to nothing in no time, or you're not going to have a lot of power. So this is the, the way that machine felt to me. And you can chime in, of course, since it is your podcast, but that felt very strong, very torquey, very powerful. I didn't feel like that I was giving away something simply to get the uh, convenience of a battery-powered machine. It, it's it, it felt very, very capable. So you're you're getting a compact machine, a powerful machine, an efficient machine. Obviously, it has to be efficient, like we said, or or, or it's going to kill the batteries. So there's a lot packed into this. Ibrid, this nano hybrid. I think that this will be probably one of their biggest sellers ever. Their smallest machine is going to become one of their biggest sellers, at least initially, just because there's a gap in the market. I mean, we didn't have these when I was detailing. It, they just didn't exist. They're nothing like this. I was primarily doing rotary. I say detailing, I meant full time. Where and and about that, I was focused on the multi-day multi jobs where the goal was perfect paint. Three steps, four steps, didn't matter. Just get it get it right. So uh, back then, would I have spent that kind of money on a machine if it was available? Very likely, yes. Today, though, there's an advantage in the technology and pads and buffing liquids and, of course, the machines. What I used to attempt to do in 12 hours or 18 hours or more can be done in four to six hours now. 
Now, if you can utilize a, a second machine or third machine and they cost between four and six hundred dollars but it allows you to do an entire second polishing job in a day that's going to pay for itself rapidly so there's a value in these expensive but efficient machines yeah and i think that's why it's going to be a big hit yeah, yeah i agree and the the thing that stood out to me particularly with this and i feel like this is like some sort of you know commercial for it and it's really not you know whatever uh is is that it's it's long so like you can get into weird places and i was like okay cool you know for those motorcycle details or what have you where you need to like i don't know get past something and and kind of you need like a toothbrush kind of you know space to get in there but then i realized that i don't really have a whole ton of jobs where something like that is relative like in an engine compartment or something where you just can't get a tool down there but it is it is beneficial and then i said okay that's cool and then I kind of thought about it more, and I was like, well, you know what? There really isn't a, an application where you can use a small pad on a more commercial basis, meaning not like the Kevin Brown where you, you know, I, I, I order stuff from you where you, you make these little crazy, you know, one-offs and one, two-inch, you know, that kind of thing. It, that's not like readily out there. And if they're going to come out with something that's that small, I think the combination of having a pad that small, meaning I, I use it on parts of the car that don't necessarily need the long wand. You, you get what I'm saying? Like I could just have like a little tiny, just the end of it that's rotating is fine. Um, yeah. for me, do you see how it's like dual usage? Like you can get into tight areas, but the goal is the size of the pad in a commercial setting because, you, you know, you can just buy it and have multiple pads. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. But maybe I'm wrong. Do you – I guess you – like sell or make those little pads all the time for like the air powered ones. I forget the name of the air powered ones. The little one, remember the one you just, uh, I just got from you. Yeah. Like the, the Rupes TA 50 is a two inch random orbital sander slash polisher. I also sell them for air powered rotaries, pneumatics and the air powered is popular because they're compact and small and they can fit into tight, tight or hard to reach areas. There are guys also using these extensions and one inch and two inch pads on standard random orbital polishers, you know, even rotary machines where we're ha having to adapt down from that, that large diameter shaft down to a small so we, I can use what I build. But, um, it, you know. It seems like a less complicated way to get to that because I know guys want to do that and they have to have extensions and, um, and all that kind of stuff, which I think is cool. This one seems like straight out of the box. It's like a little bit, a little bit easier plug and play, in my opinion, you, you know, if you want like a tiny, tiny little miniature pad. Um, yeah, and I think sure. I think, I think the things that uh, you know that you make are are even more exact and more um, deliberate um, than the than the iBread itself. Does that that make sense? Like the pads, like the custom made pads that you make. Like now we're getting down to like the you know the last one percent of detailers in the world as well. So I, I that's true. So, so this, this one, one I feel like, like is a little bit more publicly friendly. It's like the 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 most public small one out there. I'm not sure. Did I mangle that? Does that make sense? No, it's okay. It's a complete system. They've, they've, they've made a system that, you know, that, that price point I was talking about isn't just the machine. It's two batteries. It's the charger. It's a variety of their pads and things. So brushes, that's a complete component system. And I don't make a system. I am trying to, to modify or to optimize machines that are already out there. And they can be electric or air they can be rotary or random orbit They're, we run the whole gauntlet i mean i have to actually limit guys that say hey can you make that for a 21 say well wait a minute you got a 21 millimeter orbit there but you want a one inch pad isn't that a strategic pad <laughs> you know there's 
there's a point in which I say, now that's not a good match. If you want to do tight area polishing, you need to have short stroke or rotary. So, but the bottom line is that segment of the market has proven to me it's where the things are going next because we already have rotary. Will they get better and lighter and more powerful? Yes, because as Jason Rose has alluded to, battery technology has finally caught up to our, our necessity. So rotaries will get better. Random orbitals will get better. We have made a huge leap with the large stroke. People accept large stroke. It's proven itself. There's no need to try to sell it anymore. It's simply which one should I get? And um, of course, price point plays a part in that, but not as much as it once did. And and so everything's changing rapidly. And I'm happy to say that finally the machines are catching up to the pads, and and the pads have caught up to the buffing liquid technology. Who knows what's going to be changing? the speed of our ability to create perfect finishes next. I, it's just, it's, it's astoundingly fast moving. Yeah. And my prediction is I think the pads that you make, the, like the super, let's call it one percenters. So like the crazy people, what, when I call you and all these other random, like, you know, our friends detailing that um, need to get into this tiny, like one off spot. I think your business with that is going to expand because people are kind of like opening up their eyes to like, Oh man, I didn't realize how useful a small, tiny, um, what size are theirs? Are they two inch, the, the eyebrow? Yeah, right. They're, they're, they're like using two or three. Yeah, two inch. Flared edge too. They're using a flared edge design, which I'm happy to have in my lineup because mine are vertical edge pads, meaning the, side, the sides of the pads are straight up and down. They're not flared out. So a flared edge, let's say uh, if you have a one inch diameter Velcro, my pads, the face of the pad is one inch also. Yes, yes I, get I get it. it. There, theirs will flare to anywhere from maybe one and a half inch to two inch, just depending on how much flare there is. So that's very difficult to make for someone like me. I, I can't, I can't actually make those. So I'm happy to have a brand that I already am a dealer for, and and a pad that I will be able to integrate pretty easily and say, hey, you should carry both because there's times where you want to. It, that that is exactly my point. I'm trying to make that I think you're. People are going to get like – they're not going to realize how uh, important or this tiny little tool is to, to solve a certain amount of problems. And then they're going to get so used to it and say, damn, you know what? If I had one that had a vertical that didn't uh, – you know, because of the throw, it, it, you know, it just kind of bang, 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 bang. It, it was karate chopping the sides or whatever. I need one with straight up and down sides that didn't – you know, whatever. I think they're going right. to come to – so I, my prediction to you and you know, my crystal ball is like I think you're going to get flooded with people who are now starting to – really kind of embrace i guess is a better word the tiny 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 like one inch things that you make um that i you know that i buy and they're they're when i you know all, all kidding aside when you show that to a customer they go like okay you're insane <laughs> like i want you to do whatever it is that you do into your car you know what i mean so if anything i just like you know put it wear it around your neck for crying out loud when you're talking to a customer but i just think once people get really introduced to this small these small pads, they're, it's just going to keep getting smaller and smaller. And the next version, let's say the advanced version of the iBread, I think is the Kevin Brown, you know, hand cut, whatever. I don't know what you call them. but Well, I, I think that people still will integrate or, or be able to utilize the extensions. And, and so I, I, don't, I don't feel that it's going to neg negatively impact anything I'm doing. Oh, I think it's going to be the opposite. I really yeah. do. I think people are going to like, wow, this iBread is amazing, but I need, I need a one inch now. 
who the heck made that because they didn't think about that in the past you'd be like okay the three inch is the small one that we go to and you had this like mythical one inch in in the atmosphere that you know maybe people thought about or whatever but now that this kind of introduced on a massive scale global market now people are going to be thinking about smaller and smaller and smaller and the next step up i i believe is is the pads that you make so what i'm saying um from from us to you kevin brown you better start, start making, making some, some of those, those pads. pads. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sure easier to cut a pad than to make a machine like they just did. Yeah, that's true. That much. That is, that is very true. All right, so I'm going to switch gears on you. We, we've talked about the iBread. It's been pretty cool. And, um, I, I shot a video on a, a 930 Turbo. I had to put it on private um, because the guy's trying to sell the card and blah, 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 blah. So hopefully in the next week or two, I'll be able to post it up again. But in like the first two or three days, I got like 80,000 views or something because I showed that showed the tool. But um, anyways, if you guys are asking where the heck is that video, it's going to be posted hopefully soon when he sells the car. Um, question to you, we're going to switch gears. Now we talked the other day about, um, this coding issue. The coding issue was, um, some sort of water spotting and I, you know what? I'm not even going to try to mangle it cause I can't rem remember all the ins and outs, but I know that you spoke with a couple guys, you know, Cougar, Joseph, uh, Torbody and Cam in Australia, and there was something weird going on and, I don't, it doesn't, it's irrelevant who solved the problem, but from what I understand, there was a, a problem and it, it has been solved. So here's the platform to kind of get everybody yeah. thinking. So go ahead. And, and yeah, so I get to deal with some pretty high caliber detailers and you mentioned their names and uh, Cam actually, the reason I found out he was also dealing with this issue and using this procedure to resolve it was because he posted up on a Facebook group that he was doing he was doing this procedure and I said, oh my, that, that was going to be a topic that I was going to use with Larry in our next upcoming podcast, but I don't want to take credit or introduce it as something new. If Cam everybody is super cool too. He's, right. he's, he's not one of those, those guys, guys that would ever be like, no, no, I, I, I still felt like, hey, if, if, this is, if this is common knowledge, then I guess it's not worth discussing. So I asked him online you know, about, I don't know how long you've been doing this or we had, we, I, we've had some guys in the United States having the same issues, and that's when he said, yeah, that's where I found out from – I forgot which one of them. But, you know, because he keeps in contact with those guys as well. So it's about expansion and contraction, paint expansion and contraction. If you believe that paint is a structure, I do, then you have to believe that it can expand and contract with energy installation or heat. Of course. You know, absorption. And we've proven this. Jason Rose has talked about – where he's taking a, a reading, a, a temperature reading on a specific spot on a car, measured the paint thickness, then moved the car outdoors into direct sunlight, measured it again 30 minutes later, and there you go, the paint is thicker. It has expanded. How does that happen? The heat. It, it, everything expands and contracts that I know of with, with heat and cooling. So what happened, imagine this, imagine You've got your car parked outside, you know, surface temperature maybe 110 to 130 degrees. It's, it's a hot day. You're in direct sunlight, black car. Sprinklers come on or somebody washes the car. And almost immediately the, the water starts causing damage because it's loaded with minerals or it's, it's high or low pH, whatever the case. Usually it's mineral related more than anything. And so the water lands on the paint surface. It evaporates, leaving behind the minerals, and then the end of the day comes, and it cools down, and so does the paint. And now the paint is contracting, 
and bringing along the minerals for the ride. Night comes, and let's say it's at, at a point in which it's pretty much collapsed or, or, or um, you know, the pain is about as thin as it's going to get because it's at rest and it's dense. Next day, same thing. The cycle goes on of heating and cooling over and over, and every time that happens, those minerals are causing micro damage. And I do recall reading an article a few years back of a major manufacturer validating this. So it's not, it's not a new idea or not something I came up with. But what's happened is there's been a couple instances or several instances and in when a guy's prepping the car for coating. And when you prep a car for coating, that means you polish it to perfection, at least up until very recently. Now there's products on the market that are made to be durable fillers to, to hide that and, that and allow a coating to attach to saving time, saving paint. It's a good thing. But anyway, imagine having a customer come in and say, yeah, I want you to coat my car. So you go ahead and the paint looks pretty good. It's just scratched up, no water spots, but you go ahead and do the full polish job. And then you wipe the car down to pre prepare it for the coating. You coat it. And now you use infrared lighting to cure it faster. You know, you could feasibly park the car in the sunlight and eventually it'll get, get uh, introduced to enough ultraviolet that it will cure the coating, but it's faster just to light it. So you run the infrared lighting, gets up to 120, 130 degrees, and what do you see below the coating? Water spots. Water spots that you could not see before. What in the world? Could you imagine coating a car? After polishing it for you know, eight hours yeah. or whatever. And then, and then locking in a, a water spotting? Oh, terrible. So these kind of things happen, you know, that's, people talk about coding prices and it's becoming more and more known that there's good money in coatings. Even the average consumer knows this, but they're not dealing with these problems. Could you imagine the, having to be the guy that says, well, I've got to completely polish off this very durable coating. It's not <laughs> going to happen. It's, I mean, yeah. even professional detailers, like I, I, I cringe and I always ask before people come in, Hey, is there a coating on this thing? Cause the last thing I want to do, there's it, oh, it's an, I'm frustrated just like you at this point. You have to sand the whole thing off. It costs a fortune in time to do that. Oh, necessarily exactly when you've done gone through the coating or you're removing new fresh paint. Yes, we so talked about cool. that. Remember like uh, six months ago I called you on that other car that I was trying to do, and that's why I don't take any more cars in that have that. I, I said, Kevin, how do I know when I go through? And you were kind of like, uh, when you know this changes or that changes, but it's not there's, – there, there's there isn't a white flag that goes up and says, you're through the coating now. Now you can do you know repair the paint. So it is it is pretty crazy. So that's why I was so interested when you were talking about this to if you know this beforehand, you can save yourself days of work and tons and tons of money. So anyways, I, I interrupted. Continue. So one scenario is there was no water spots, scratched up car. We're going to polish it out so we can prep it for coating, coat it, heat it with infrared or our, I, I don't know if I'm using the right term infrared. I guess so. Yeah. Ultraviolet kicking off the ultraviolet. Making it hot. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it's the introduction of the the infrared, the UV. So anyway, the other scenario is customer comes in, says, I've got water spots all over my car. And some some angles, I can, it looks perfect. But if I walk around the car, I catch them again, see them, there they are. I want those gone. And so you say, hey, we can help minimize water spot damage by applying this coating you know, this durable protection. And worst case scenario, if you do get water spotting, it'll be spotting the coating, not the paint job. So customer says, do it. You go ahead and spend all that time polishing. 
And depending on who you are, the type of car, the job could take four hours to 24 hours. Just polishing. Just depends. Price is a factor, of course. But anyway, you get it all done. Water spots gone. Coat the car. Hit it with the lighting. And here come the spots again. The ones that you've removed for the last dozen hours or more, they're still there. So you say, oh, no, I've got to go ahead and take the coating off and polish again. And so you do. You see the spots. They've been locked in place, essentially, by the coating. And you polish them away. And then you do it again. And guess what? They appear again. So I get these calls. And so I have to have them be critical in terms of telling me what they're seeing. And so inevitably I'll say, look, you're seeing the spots, but is, take just one spot, one circular ring spot. Are you seeing the entire ring or does it look broken up? In other words, is it just little pin pricks some of the way around or is it an entire circle? And a lot of times I say, no, some of the spots gone. It's not a complete circle anymore. It's just remnants. I didn't get it all. Well, there you are. <clears throat> so that, So what I recommend is, Go ahead and heat the panel With to the point. Right. Or, or anything. Technically, you don't have to use infrared. It could be done another way. It could be halogen lighting, but whatever. You have to get it to the temperature in which you see the full uh, damage, the full water spot, and buff it at that, at that point. Is it dangerous? Yes. Is it ideal? No. What do we teach? We, we always teach to minimize heat. When we're polishing, because there's nothing good about it. Yeah, it's, it's a, a negative, negative byproduct, byproduct of, of polishing. It is. Yeah. It is. I'd love to just polish under cold water all the time mm -hmm. and not electrocute and be able to see it. That's <laughs> great. Water, you know, underwater polishing residue control ultimate there. Yeah. Yeah. Full <laughs> staple. It, it solves a lot of problems <laughs> other yeah. than being electrocuted. So that's that works. It works. So what 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 they're having to do now is basically get the panel or the painted surface to the temperature in which most of the damage was caused, expand it to that level, polish it, and then we tell them, okay, now let's cycle it. I want you to do your typical wipe down. Don't use something that's heavily solvent-laden, especially when you've got the paint expanded, because if you believe that it's the structure, and I do, and I just would say envision having something like a, a piece of steel wool and you put a brick on it and squashed it, just flattened it. There's not a lot of gap between the steel strands of the wool, right, when you have, when you have it fully collapsed. So imagine that as paint at resting at, in a cool state. Now, if you took the, the brick off the steel wool and let it fully expand, it's a structure after all. It's, it, it goes upward. You'll have more air gaps in between the steel strands. Same idea with paint. When you expand it or add heat to it and it opens up, you're going to have the potential for that structure to absorb things such as solvents, whether they be wiped on or whether they're instilled into your buffing liquid and they're being pressed against the surface and friction forced in. You want... You can see where there's a lot of problems with this polishing procedure of polishing at a high temperature and why we don't recommend it because there's a lot of absorption. So once they're done with their polishing at that temperature, I'll have them cycle it, let it cool, then bring the temperature up, check it again, let it cool, do this two or three times so we can ensure that there is no more damage. And once you do a a cycling like that two or three times, you're 
expanding, contracting, expanding, contracting, anything that's in there, there's a good likelihood it's going to be squeezed out or have an ability to escape or evaporate because of the expansion and then the squeezing action of the contraction. So pretty interesting stuff. Um, and, and that even leads into a problem a lot of guys have with this exact thing, expansion, contraction. They, uh, they'll polish a car out or just talk to a guy. I don't remember if it was a message, but same exact thing. Yeah, it was last night, matter of fact. And it was a busy day yesterday. <laughs> a, a guy in another country saying, hey, Kevin, I did a polish job on a repaint. Very bad swirls. Very bad. Uh, I mean, I could just see it coming. I had no choice. I had to polish it in direct sunlight. It was very hot out. Maybe that had something to do with it, but it was a cheap paint job. It was very swirled up, and so I buffed it. It looked great. The guy just called me a week later and said, hey, the swirls are back. Same exact problem. Buffing in direct sunlight, very hot day, very swirled, so he was using a lot of speed, a lot of compound. To me, it seems pretty apparent there was absorption of the solvents in the buffing liquid, and they were trapped in there, and it took a week for them to basically escape or evaporate or you know go away. So, told them this time, don't do that. Do it in the do just do a spot. Don't do the whole car. Just let's do some test runs. But this is a common issue. It's so how did not he solve a, it. How did he solve that one? He well, just he has it. Out of the sun? He, well, yeah, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to polish it to, to minimize if it is in fact a poor quality paint job or an inferior paint, meaning it can't handle the impact of a strong solvent or buffing on with that force and twisting force and pressure and you're pushing it, that liquid in there, then he's got to buff it while it's cool. And he's got to use a, a light hand. And I told him, don't wipe it down a lot to check it. Just use hot water. Don't use solvent-based wipe downs because those will absorb too. You're going to get a false, basically a false reading or, or visual, you know. So it, it's just a, it's another one of those things that causes problems that the average consumer or a beginner doesn't realize is a problem until it happens to them. So let yeah. me let me use an, uh, let me try to break it down into an analogy here just to make sure I'm on the same page because you're educating me at the same time here, obviously. So the recap with the coding issue, or it doesn't even really need to be the coding issue, but the issue with um, the expansion and contraction of 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 the paint. So when the paint is heated up. Kind of like when you take a hot shower and the pores of your skin are opened up, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and then like for a woman or whatever, even a guy, it doesn't matter. Uh, you get out of the shower and you're, you know, you're nice and hot and then you put cream on your face because it goes into the pores a lot easier. This is where my analogy kind of goes off here. But then if you go back to try to polish that, that paint or that skin and uh, the paint is has then – been cooled down is it is what you're saying that you ha you can't get to the the cream that was put in there the the water spots or whatever has been in those pores when they were heated up expanded it went into the cracks because they were expanded they cooled back down they contracted and then when you go right. on top of it and you try to polish it you're not gonna be able to get that stuff underneath there because it, you know it contracted it's it's you can't get in is that making sense Am I that saying makes it? sense it's just it's exactly what's happening it's contracting and that micro damage the the etching or the the damage caused by those tiny deposits of hard particulate, magnesium, calcium, all the things that are in hard water, they do their damage. But it, we're talking microscopic here. And so, 
it's not a massive expansion and contraction, but it's enough to so that you, your buffing pad, your buffing liquid, whatever you're using can't get to it. Can't penetrate because it's contracted. It's kind of like it's a, contracted. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's fallen down and it's been basically garaged away from you know prying eyes. So yeah, and imagine you know I don't know exactly how much holding power a coating has because they also have to expand and contract. You know, there's a lot of discussion or bragging about how hard and durable yeah this is this is a bone of contention for me so yeah the coating talking, is yeah. with with but there's no eye to saying well we we also validated that the resin that we store all this hard particulate in is also very capable of expanding contracting with all different paint types that's the big key to me is can you supply a durable coating that's with flexible. hard particulate in it that is in a resin system that's holding all of that that can expand and contract repeatedly on all in different in different uh, rates and, and not fail or not damage my paint so yeah, but it's much easier to the public to swallow if you just say it's like glass and it's like steel for your you know what i mean it, it's like a short burst of branding or marketing and the consumer who doesn't obviously listen to this or get into like the expansion contraction of paint um, kind of goes like, yeah, sure, steel for the paint, and it'll never. I don't have to wax it again in ten years. Yeah, absolutely. But Boom. to be clear, so, to be clear that um, something's happening with that expansion and contraction when you when you apply the coating, and then you heat the panel, and the spots appear or reappear, and they stay there. That tells me the coating has also penetrated to a small degree, the surface or the topography of the paint and locked it so that it can't expand or contract to the rate it once was. Oh, in other words, that other, is why, really crazy. Why would the spot still be visible? Correct. Because, yeah. So it would, it would contract again and then it'd be hidden. Right. Oh. Pretty interesting how that all works. <laughs> My mind has been blown once again. And this is, again, for the average person, this is not... This is not going to happen. This is not something you're worried about. But this is not an average podcast. <laughs> well said. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm slipping you a 20 uh, all the way across the uh, – <laughs> yeah, thanks. All right. So we're, uh, we're rounding down our time here. I'm almost at an hour. Um, let's quickly go over th – th thank you for that. I'm still, I'm still processing all that information. Uh, yeah, I hope it came out. I hope it's understandable. I mean, it's, it's it was it was the heat and contraction and flexibility of the paint and the like. This is all making a lot of sense. So I think you may have helped a lot of people with the with this glass coating kind of thing. What to what to kind of be prepared to 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 do in case this you know another one of these issues pops up with the coating. So that's I think you saved people a lot of time. So kudos to you again. Thanks. Last uh, last point, and then we'll hop out of here. Um, tell me a little bit about the philosophy. You know, you've been telling me, you've been talking to me about some people where uh, maybe they find like uh, M105 dusting, and when it dusts, it's kind of like, you know what, this is annoying. I don't know what to do. I'm gonna take that out, um, you know, metaphorically throw it away or put it on the shelf, and I'm gonna go grab ABC compound, and I'm gonna try this instead. And I think your theory, or maybe not your theory, but the way that you think about things and the way that you're encouraging people to have a different perspective, how would you tell someone, how would you instruct someone as to, hey, this, whatever product it is, spray wax to compound, let's, you know, right now we're talking about compounds, but you get my point. How do I, 
how do I approach um, solving a problem uh, as opposed to just throwing away a product and trying something else? How, how would you do it? Yeah, and this, this does seem very familiar. So I know we've covered this probably more than once on your podcast or in videos, but... But they keep calling you. That means they're not listening to enough podcasts, Kevin. Well, the, I have to tell you, <laughs> there are people that haven't heard them yet. <laughs> that, that is ridiculous. Uh, well, you know what? I have to tell you, Larry, you have a lot of uh, people that watch your videos, and they, they're aware of all of your videos. And then I ask them, have you had a chance to listen to his podcast? What? No, I didn't even know he had podcasts. So there's a lot of those guys. I say, here, I want you to, I want you to listen to these three. These, I feel that these three have the most relevant information, especially relevant to your situation. You know, and depending on what, what the issue is, uh, I'll recommend different podcasts. But for the most part, I have my three, and it covers things like choice of machine and expansion contraction and paint residue management, things like that. So, but yeah, I mean, this has come up again. And I said that earlier online guys having issues with products or, or at least they're, ha they're having issues getting the result they want. They're not satisfied with what they thought was going to be the result. So instead of saying, what can I do to, to fix my procedure? They say, what am I doing wrong? What should I do? And there's a natural tendency for somebody that's using a product they're having success with to automatically recommend that product or to recommend against that product because that he's using because they've had issues with it. I'm saying that's fine, but if a guy is right in the midst of a, of a polishing situation and he can't go to the store and buy the product you're recommending – or he doesn't have the money because a lot of these are very expensive. Some of these, some of these most current liquids are really expensive as far as what what you would expect it to do. I'm saying, wait, slow down. I know that product. I've had great success with that product. Rather than recommend something else, tell me about your procedure. What are you doing? And I've learned over the years, and this is again from our buddy Jason Rose, to not. To not say, hey, are you you're you're polishing uh, flat, right? And you you're, you're only running speed three, right? And you know, and you're priming, right? Yeah, I'm doing all that. I learned right away to not do that anymore after after learning from Jason. Instead, I say, tell me your procedure, start to finish. Oh yeah, yeah. And sure enough, I I can I can deduce a, an issue that can be resolved by a procedure adjustment. It's great that guys send videos. I can see so much in a 15-second in video, and I had that happen last night. I had the guy send me the video on his own. He decided to send them. I could see six or seven things, and hopefully those will be um, all he needed to adjust to have a successful polishing you know, segment today. And I, and I think he's going to see a, a huge change and there was one change that we made which was to the polishing pad the one he was using is is deemed a cutting pad but really for what he needs to do he needed a pad that had a lot more surface area so he could load a lot more compound and get work done faster but yeah the tendency to recommend a different product right away is still something that i hope will go away over time and instead say tell me about your procedure so yeah i i think uh I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's kind of like, I know this makes it a weird analogy, but like, in, you know, I'm like a big into racing and driving my car or whatever. And one of the, the 
one of the things that I see a lot that's you know congruent with this sort of problem is you know you say, hey, my car, I I want it to go faster in in such and such corner, and you and you think most people, including myself and and newbies, including myself, will say, you know what, I need this new part, I need this new tool, I need this new thing to make that corner work, but then you put it in the hands of someone like you know my guy Spencer or someone who's a pro driver, and he makes it do exactly what I wanted wanted it to do before. But I just thought, hey, I, I something's wrong with the car. And then I re- you know, if you look back, it's really it's a really about a lot of times either the technique of me driving or or the driver itself. You get you get that analogy. It's not just like oh, put a new part in and then it'll make everything go go away. Hundred percent. You yeah. You as a driver, you haven't even optimized or you haven't become proficient or an expert at driving so what do you need more parts for you need to be a better driver get, yeah. get back behind the wheel make some adjustments keep track of those adjustments and the ones that succeed use those again uh, you, get, you get to understand what to do in certain situations it's the same exact thing yeah it just just as with any task that that we perform or any craft or anything you want to become good at you've got to modify procedure to get better so i think with with you i always find this interesting i'd love to give you a product, you know, a, a product that reaches a certain standard, you know, it's got to be halfway decent product, but not have a name on it, not have any, anything on there. And, you know, one that maybe, you know, isn't the go-to 105, 100, 205, that kind of thing that you have a lot of familiarity with. I'd give you something and say, Kevin, make this work as good as such and such. And I think the fascinating thing about you and really good detailers is they'll make it work. They just have to change the procedure to make it work. And I think newbies think, Hey, if I just use this product with whatever procedure, it's going to work, um, and it yeah. doesn't work that way. It's a separate way around, and that's when when you were talking about this, and um, it kind of makes your head expand a little bit, saying, "Wow, that's totally cool." That I know that Kevin Brown, if he used this product right now, he'd be able to make it work. Wow. Well, that's that. There's an example of I didn't, I've never used the product, the compound that this guy was using last night. So I asked him on in, in Facebook message, "Is that compound?" slippery and snotty you know kind of slippery Mm -hmm. or is it dry and gritty because that would tell me a lot so if he would have said it's a slippery loaded up slimy product i would not have recommended pad priming it would just cause more problems you just would create a you know basically a grease field and there would be no biting of the abrasives and no biting from the pad so luckily he said no it's pretty gritty and dry feeling Perfect. I'm glad to hear that. We can make some adjustments for that. So even with a product I've never used or I'm not familiar with, there's there's some basics there that would tell you, uh, in general, if if it's th- if it's this, I'm going to do that. Just like, hey, looks like we're on a really really bumpy gravelly road. We might want to not drive through it in this manner, but use this procedure instead. Same exact thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is awesome. As again, thank you for uh, spending some time chatting. I think we're uh, we're up on our time, uh, just about 45 minutes with you, and I did another, I don't know, 15 minutes beforehand, talking about brand and brand image, so hopefully uh, you haven't heard yet. Hopefully you enjoy that part. Um, I think I will. I, 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 wish we ha- I wish I didn't feel like we've discussed everything because I really enjoy the podcast, and we haven't done one since NXT East in September. So Yeah, I talked about that a little bit in the beginning. I mean, you know my personal situation here. We're... Hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, I'll have uh, another little, new little detailer. And I'm, I, I almost don't want to tell you like what I'm thinking of trying to do, but whatever. <laughs> it's kind of funny. What I want to do is get like a custom-made onesie because like people are sending me like ammo onesies and 964 onesies for my son. 
Nice. I want to get one that's like I haven't quite come up with the phrase yet. So, I, but it's like having him like with a picture of a detail, like with a buffer or whatever, and something like "I'm coming after you, Kevin Brown" or something, <laughs> like, <laughs> something like that. Brains, um, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you know, I got 20 years or something, and then I'm gonna oh, take Kevin yeah. Brown down. <laughs> we do our job right. He'll be as good as I am at eight years old. You know? Yes, yes, yes. So, well, thank you, Larry. Again, I really enjoy these podcasts, and let me thank your fans because they they are loyalists and if you tell them go to kevin talk to kevin you want a machine go to kevin you have a question you want to do training they do they come to me and they always mention you and your videos they are they're very thankful for what you've given them and uh, the fact that it comes up time over time that in our discussions you're just a regular dude. You never come off as if you know everything. You're... I definitely do not. I will admit First, that. <laughs> admit it. Yeah. And um, yeah, and to your fans out there, you're right. He doesn't know everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, I, I want to thank you, but more importantly, all those fans you send my way. Uh, thank you guys and gals for listening and supporting Larry and supporting me. Does not go unnoticed yeah absolutely no they're, they're super cool and, and loyal so thank you guys again from from my side as well you know where to visit it's uh or just come to me and i'm going to point you to, to kevin anyways but go directly to him it's uh www.buffdaddy.com uh, b-u-f-f daddy d-a-d-d-y.com is where i get my tools and all my you know crazy pads and things that we talked about and you know just from a personal note we are a small business uh you know myself and kevin so uh you know anything is is we're eternally grateful for for everything and uh like we said uh, huge, huge uh, kudos to, to everybody as always from my side you can visit me or find all of these pod podcasts at ammonyc.com and most of you find me through the videos so thank you the videos um, I shot 35 videos for Autoblog, uh, a new show, a new series called Autoblog Details on Autoblog, which is doing really well. And it's, you know, two to three minutes short, kind of 101 series, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Kevin doesn't know it, but he's going to be dragged into some other um, interesting series and things that I'm doing um, after it settles down a little bit with my son. You know, I want to spend you know a month or two, uh, you know, on, on uh, distracted with my son. But. Kevin, you don't know it yet, but you're getting dragged into um, some other cool, interesting things we're, we're about to do. So kind of laying the groundwork there and teasing people. But uh, it should be it should be pretty uh, cool coming up in, in the future. So anything else you can plug you, Facebook or whatever? I'm happy with what we've done. I just uh, – if you have any topics that are – that you might find interesting to other people as well, we, we're open to ideas. I'd like to do more podcasts at a more rapid clip i just enjoy them so much so if you have any ideas get a, get a hold of larry or let me know uh and we'll do our best to cover those topics yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna start pushing a, a few more of these out on a regular basis because they're because they're just fun so anyways you guys have been great thanks for listening and uh as always uh shoot me an email larry at ammo nyc.com or uh yeah do you have a kevin like kevin at buffdaddy.com yeah, I did, but it didn't forward right. So the best way to get hold of me, it just I don't. Hey, you know, I have this simple little software for my my site, and obviously they didn't put a lot of time and effort into that one. So I'm just using my regular I am Waxman at AOL.com. <laughs> I always said, uh, oh man, when I type you in in my in my 
email, I just type in Kevin and it pops up. So I don't actually type in, you know how it is on, on programs. But every time I think of your email address, I am Wax Man. There couldn't be a better descriptive uh, word. Yeah, but if somebody doesn't know me and they'll say, okay, Mr. Brown, what is your email address? Like, ah, uh, uh, yes. I am Wax Man. Just so you know, I sell polishing supplies for cars. Yeah. Yeah, if you tell them I am Waxman and they're like, well, okay, fine, what's your website? You're like Buff Daddy, and the people are like, <laughs> click, and you're like, they hang up on you, like, this guy is a perv. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, right. My fault, everything went that way. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, right, thanks, 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 uh, thanks for chatting, and uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Congratulations, too. Oh, yeah, much appreciated. We're, we're very excited. Thank you. I'll talk to you and, uh, and you guys listening very, very soon.